I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. So, quick heads up before we head into today's show. I uh, accidentally broke some news that wasn't supposed to be broken yet. So, when you hear the technical difficulties music and the beeps and such, that was the points where we had mentioned where James will be working soon in addition to DirecTV. So, just enjoy the show and uh, that, that's what's going on for those points. Welcome to episode three of All In Sports with Jake Seeley. You know me. Follow me at All In Kid, which you're probably doing already, unless you follow this tweet. And, well, now I said, fall the tweet from today's guest maybe that's how you found it and if so the good for you because the guest today is definitely a great one we're we talking guess what fantasy football week one no surprise i have a feeling we're gonna get to levy on bell uh, by the <laughs> way which is strangely enough to say i do have a giveaway that i'm going to be doing for this month if you go and do you know look I wish I could just say, go give the show five stars and subscribe and everybody would be, you know, altruistic and looking out for me and appreciating and supporting me. I know it's a lot of effort. So I'm doing a giveaway with a signed Le'Veon Bell jersey <laughs> I had this a month ago. So go do all those things. You can get it. It might not mean as much now, so I don't know. But what definitely means as much, like I said, today's guest, James Coe, who is now... Look at you breaking news over here. It's so great. Uh, hey, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be part of the team. Uh, obviously, I, you know, we, we haven't really uh, – I don't think anyone's really discussed it. So, literally, this podcast will be uh, breaking some news here. But, yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll save that part and put it at the end of another podcast. <laughs> like this is the direct this is the director's cut that's coming out later which on DVD because I don't know if we were supposed to say it yet. No, it doesn't matter. I signed everything, so we're good, man. Uh, it just happens to be my. Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure when my first column's going to come out, but I'm excited. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, it, it, everything's pretty much done and done. It's just I just haven't. I guess I just haven't said anything yet. So <laughs> whatever. Well, well talk in general. Tell you're also doing some other big things. I'll let you announce that instead of you just ruining that as well. So tell everybody, by the way. <laughs> where they follow you, where they can see you. There's a little hint there, like all the good stuff that you have going on. That's great, man. Yeah, no, follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm pretty active on there. I, I do try to get to as many Twitter questions as possible um, on a given week. I, I think I try to bang out like 70, 75% of, these, uh, of the questions that come my way. So uh, James D. Co. Is the, uh, is the address there. Or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. It's all James D. Co. Uh, got it all synced up, baby. So uh, if you want to find me on social media, you can do that. Um, but yeah, on Sundays, you'll be able to find me on DirecTV, uh, going to be joining their, uh, their Red Zone package. Uh, they've got a show on that Red Zone package called Fantasy Zone, Fantasy Zone. and um, it's basically, look, it's on an hour before kickoff, 
Uh, it's all fantasy all the time. And we go all the way through the entire day as well. And we cover all the games red zone style. So I would hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you know what red zone is, but we cover every single game uh, live as they're happening. And we'll just give it from a fantasy point of view. So, um, you know, it's just, to me, I think if you're a real, you know, fantasy head, this is the way that you're going to be wanting to watch football. Um, it's going to, yes, it's going to be a little ADD for sure. But, man, I tell you what, we've got a great cast. And, uh, and you're going to get a lot of information. And I promise you, if you watch this show on DirecTV, I think it's Channel 704 on Sundays, you will for sure have a leg up on your competition. I was um, super excited for it because years and years ago, and I know they've had some like versions come out. This definitely sounds like going to be the best one yet. But when the Red Zone and all that stuff first came out, it's like this should just be a fantasy channel. Why is it there? Like, I, okay, you know, I love Siciliano, but I mean, yeah. yeah, okay, look at this touchdown. Okay, great, I can figure that out for myself. It's a great play. Whatever to get that fantasy analyst and the analysis from the analyst and all that. You know, as you see, I'm avoiding the word expert to get all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I think it's just great, but uh, you know what? I think there's a player we have to talk about off the top, James. I think. Please. Uh, I yeah, think. maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> As I mentioned, with the jersey, uh, I, I, I'm just going to ask you. We'll get to the James Conner and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Off the top of your head, as in like James' personal opinion, how do you see this playing out? Do you see it week two? Do you see it week eight? Do you see it week 10? Well, actually 11 because it'll have the bye. Like, right. I, I keep telling people I have no idea. I'm just making the best guess I can make. Like, what do you now feel is this, this is the outcome that you would put money on in Vegas? You know what the worst thing that could have happened to fantasy was? Was Khalil Mack getting traded to the Bears. And I'll explain why. Khalil Mack was holding out. And all of a sudden... Oakland, instead of standing their ground, was like, eh, it's fine, we'll trade them. And what happens? Khalil Mack gets traded to a playoff contending team. Not saying that they'll get there, but they'll certainly be in the mix at the end of the season if everything goes right. And they paid that man. Oh, my goodness. That dude got paid buku bucks. That's the worst thing that could have happened uh, to fantasy football because I guarantee you – Le'Veon Bell is looking at that situation and saying, hmm, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I'll do something similar to that. Because all the reports before were that he was going to show up super late in camp if, if he showed up for camp at all um, and basically show up in time enough to, you know, maybe get a week's worth of practice in and then start week one against the Browns, which is, you know, again, um, I thought it was going to be a shootout. Uh, I know the Browns were pretty good against the rush last year, but – you know, realistically, I don't think they really were. I just think it's because they were just getting picked on in the air. Uh, but this is a game that lines up to be a, a pretty high-scoring game, and you wanted every piece of that. And Le'Veon Bell being a consensus top three pick certainly was going to get uh, a lot of work. So, yeah, man. <laughs> For me, you know, we talk about the possible scenarios. I think Pittsburgh has shown themselves to be an organization that – you know, they're not going to move. So it's like get on or get off, and, and they hold all the cards. And, I mean, what's the worst-case scenario right now for, for Pittsburgh anyways, right? It's like, okay, he doesn't show up. Well, guess what? We don't pay him. 
I mean, they're right. not hurt by this. You know, Pittsburgh's not hurt by this at all. Zero percent are they hurt by this. Uh, the only person getting hurt by this really is Le'Veon Bell, um, and that's the unfortunate structure uh, that the, the 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 labor and the and the teams have negotiated is that literally the the players are the only team or is the only party here getting hurt. Uh, so um, I just think he stays away, and um, hopefully it gets to a point where. You know, maybe they restructure his deal. Or, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a, the thing is, there's nothing for them to do. It's not even like a Gronk situation where they could give him more bonus money. Or, or You know what I mean? It's just, look, this is it. You're going to get $14.5 million. That I mean, that's how this works. So I don't even know. I really don't know how they're going to work, work this out, man. But um, I would hope that Le'Veon looks at it and says, if I don't get on the field and I don't produce, I'm not going to get paid big bucks in the offseason, so I need to get back and, and play on the field. How long before he reaches that conclusion? Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> See, and I'm the same thing. I, although I think this is always one of the, like, somebody's going to pay. Like, no matter, you know, we always talk about it in fantasy and sports worlds, but just in general, too. Like, it just it's always somebody you find the person. There's always yeah. somebody. Like, there's going to be a team that says, you know what? We understand, but we talk to them. Our team's behind it. The players understand. Like you get, you get all that like coach and NFL and front office speak. And, <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we understand his situation. We wish he would have handled it differently, but that's why we're signing him to seventeen million dollars a year next year. So <laughs> I think there's like I definitely think he's lessened his places where he could go, but I definitely still think there's going to be an opportunity for him. But I'm with you as. I, I have no idea at this point. I, I could see him waiting the full 10 weeks and then just be out there for the last six games, which actually starts in Denver in week 12. Uh, but if you look at it besides that, like after the bye week eight, home against Cleveland, I guess that makes a little bit of sense because the fans aren't going to care. The fans are going to go crazy for him because he's back on the field. Like right now, all the fans you know want to burn his jersey, say selfish and all this type of stuff. But you know, as soon as these players touch the field, they care about winning. Um, so let, let, let's look at it this way. Drafts are pretty much done anyway. To football is tonight. Let's just celebrate the fact that football is tonight. But Le'Veon Bell, you know, he's back. He's an RB1. He's top five. He's not there. That's the question now. It's James Conner. Everybody's treating James Conner as in, I, I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Well, he's Dangelo Williams. You should see top 10 guaranteed. Like, I, I think it's not surprising to you and anybody out there with a brain that James Conner and D'Angelo Williams are not the same player. They're not they're even the not, same. No, they're not style, even the same like yeah, exactly. Wildly different styles of player. Like James Conner's that, I would even say like more of like that 1980s, 90s running back of like, you know, I'm going to pound it, like the, the yeah. hard runner. Um, so all that being said, though, where does he fall for you? In the, let's just, for as long as Le'Veon Bell is out, is James Conner top 20, top 15? Is he in the RB1 discussion for you? And are you thinking, maybe I'll pick up Jalen Samuels in a few leagues because he could be used in the passing game a little bit? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I'm not 100% opposed to, to, to Samuels, especially in deeper leagues, but I think he can pretty much safely assume. I mean, look, especially with all the passing weapons they have, you know, Antonio Brown, Juju, and James Washington reportedly has had just a terrific, just a terrific camp. And remember, too, amazing. 
I, I mean, and remember too, we're talking about the Belindikov winner here. It's not like this guy is some rando guy off the street. You know what I mean? It's like, no, this dude was the top college receiver in all of college football last year. So he's got the pedigree. You know what I mean? So you want a little nugget? If, if yeah. like, I don't know if you'll ever be able to circle it in because then you'd have to be like, eh, my friend Jake Seeley. So I don't think you could ever <laughs> find a way to plug it in there. But actually, for everybody out there, yes, I know I've mentioned it a million times, but it's a great nugget. I interviewed Mike Tomlin in person here in Virginia, and he told me his words were, I like James Washington as much, if not more, than I like Juju Smith-Schuster at the same time last year. That he, had wow. a first, he had a first-round grade on James Washington. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me, man. Uh, honestly, ha- watching the tape, uh, you know, this is a guy that can, is a game-breaker over the top as well. Um, and they needed that. As much as I love Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, he is not – he doesn't have the, the best speed in all the world. I just think he's just a fantastic receiver. Uh, but James Washington, I think, adds that, you know, that Martavis Bryant quality where, you know, he can get over the top. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. But, yeah, so, I, I mean, look, going back to Connor, man, um, I, I see him more as like a top 20-ish uh, running back, and, and, it's, uh, and it's all – it's all because of where the Pittsburgh offense lies. He just lies. Connor's in such a healthy position in terms of um, Pittsburgh's offense being able to move and projected to be a high-scoring offense this year. So talent-wise, I'm not, I'm not a big James Connor guy. Um, he's more of a plotter to me. And, and I know he got pretty good uh, scores and marks uh, from PFF, but I don't know. I, I'm just – to me, honestly, I, I think he's just, you know, uh, as you say, a, 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 more of a throwback running back. And I'm not 100% sure that works uh, in today's game. D'Angelo Williams, like he was just such a slash, uh, a slasher in terms of what he could do. So uh, it didn't surprise me uh, that he was so successful. But, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a top 20 guy just in terms of volume. Uh, and the he- overall health of the offense, but I definitely do not have him as a top 10 running back. Yeah, I think that's a little extreme. I, I'm going to throw out something that I think that people are overlooking, which is super smart. If anybody out there has already done this, kudos to you. Jalen Samuels on the sites where he's still a tight end is a must own because if he is treated as the backup and gets five to 10 carries or touches per game, he, this is kind of the Mike. Remember when Michael Thomas, the, or not Michael Thomas, um, Marquise Colston was a tight end. Oh my God, first, yes. This is not quite to that level, but this right. is, if he's listed as tight end, you need to go pick him up now. That's a good point, man. That's a great point. I didn't even realize that he was uh, listed as a tight end on some sites. That's interesting. Yeah. Which is, I think, I don't know why. I think some sites assumed that's where he was going to play uh, because of college. And I think that they're not understanding that when they drafted him, that that's what their plans were with the running back position. But yeah, he, on a few sites, it's a handful of sites out there that he's still tight end. And if so, until this change is made, and then we have everybody in an uproar about the Ty Montgomery thing all over again. Uh, <laughs> quick, quick sidebar, James. Yeah. I'm going to talk baseball with you real quick. I just want to okay. know... Fa- Fair or foul, and no pun intended, because this is so. I don't know if you saw this, Todd Frazier, and I just want to talk about this in sports in general, just because I'm curious of your opinion. So, Todd Frazier the other night was going for a foul ball, went into the stands for the Mets, comes out with a ball, shows it to the umpire, out, everything continues. They even looked at the replay and come to find out after the fact from somebody who tweeted out different angles of it, 
he fell over the side and picked up somebody's fake rubber ball that happened to be sitting there <laughs> and, and admitted it this morning that he actually, in fact, tricked the umpire. Fair or foul, dude, because that's, I mean, I, I, that's cheating. I mean, that's really all it is. 100% it's cheating. And 100% I advocate it because it's such, <laughs> it's such a great story. I mean... I mean, doesn't I mean, it be like in football if like the dude's falling out of bounds, rolls over his back, and the like the ball guy's right next to him, and he like grabs one out of the pile, and you can't. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. No, I mean, yeah, it's like I said, man. It is. It's. Uh, it's. It is 100 percent cheating. But I love that story. I absolutely love it. The fact that he was able to kind of like think on his like off his feet, really, because he was uh, upside down. But ah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just be so you know, you know, quick thinking about the whole thing and just grab a <laughs> random rubber ball. What? That's so great. I love it. Uh, but yes, it's cheating, hundred <laughs> percent. I haven't seen that. I'm gonna go back and look. I want to know if he threw the ball back into the stands to like cover up the evidence. Like, you know, oh, like, because they do that at the end of innings, you know, like, oh, here, fans. Yeah. Here Maybe. I didn't, I, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't, I, I don't even know if the, the highlights went that far. That's interesting. That's what I want to know. If anybody out there knows, tweet us. I want to know. I love it. Right, let's get back to football. Let's get back to running backs for tonight. So if you're listening to us on Friday and Saturday, look, there's still going to be plenty of stuff on Sunday games, but we yeah. do want to talk about this tonight because people have this situation. It's the... Philadelphia running backs, and we have heard time and again, we all know Doug Peterson loves the committee. He loves it. Uh, kudos to, uh, I think it was Mike Taglier and Graham Barfield are actually the two. Two different stats, funnily enough, both equaling three. Uh, one tweeted out that the only running back to ever see 60 or more snaps was Darren Sproles three times. The only person to see 60% or more of the snaps all three times were Darren Sproles. And interestingly enough, I think two of those games were actually different games. They didn't even overlap for one of them. But in hmm. any case, the point proves Doug Peterson's committee backfield approach. But we hear so many different things with Ajayi. It's Ajayi is bone on bone, wasn't healthy at the end of last season, wasn't healthy for a good portion of this preseason. He's fine for this week, but it's committee backfield. Ah, Clement looks good, but we're going to use Ajayi's work. I mean... You could pick whatever report you have to back up your argument because every single angle is being taken with this team. What is your opinion when it comes to this backfield? I think for the price that you paid for JJ, uh, I think it's terrific. You know where you got him because you probably got him somewhere. You know, uh, in the in the fourth or maybe even in the fifth round, um, just depending on how the chips fell. But. You know, we're talking about a guy that was, you know, uh, universally a, a top, I don't know, 50 or 60 selection. And I think around that price, I think it's terrific. And the reason I say that is uh, athletically, physically, I think he profiles as a lead back. Um, it, it, obviously, he is in an extremely healthy situation in terms of where he is in the offense. Uh, Philadelphia anticipated, again, to score a lot of points. Now, in week one, Maybe not. Uh, Nick Foles, you know, maybe the glass slipper fell off, you know, because he didn't look terribly good in the – or I guess he just looked terrible in the preseason. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, week one, what is he going to look like? Is he going to find that postseason magic? I doubt it. I think we have enough sample size on Nick Foles to, to basically say, oh, this is, this is going to be Nick Foles. Um, look, that being said, lead back in what is anticipated to be when Carson Wentz gets back, a pretty good offense. I thought he was devalued in most drafts. So I get the health concerns. 
um, pretty easily masked if you just go and draft Corey Clement as well. I understand the concerns about, you know, the, the workload that uh, Darren Sproles might receive, but, I mean, for God's sakes, the guy's coming off of, uh, I think, a couple of different major injuries. He's 36 years old. I, I mean, look, you know, you talk about the snap share and all those things. But I think what it doesn't take into account is how often he was in there in two back sets. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and where, where does he ultimately line up at snap? Is he in the backfield or is he in the slot? Is he running a route? What's he doing here? You know, so um, I really like Jay Ajayi. I think he's in a great spot. And quite frankly, I think he has the potential. Uh, we talk about top 10 running backs. I think he has the, at least the potential to be a top 10 running back, and you certainly did not pay those prices come draft day. All right, well, let's talk a lot. Of, there's a lot of news pieces for this first week, so we start running through some of these. Adrian Peterson is officially a starter, and I don't know if you heard us a revenge game for the people that fall into that trap and think it means anything. It is Adrian Peterson, lead running back for the Washington Redskins. Where are you on Adrian Peterson? Because obviously we know Chris Thompson and his talent, but he himself admitted he's not going to be 100% until November, which is probably the best medical diagnosis I've ever heard to be able to predict when you're going to be 100% <laughs> playing football on top of it two months right. from three months from now yeah. from when he said it. Yeah, November 15th around 6.30 in the afternoon. I'm going to be 100%, oh. just so you know. Uh, but Adrian Peterson, we saw what happened last year. You give him touches, and he looks great until the next week when you gave him too many touches, and he falls apart. Yeah, you know, the one thing I will say about this is that uh, Adrian Peterson, um, I think he obviously, look, everyone's done the number, crunched all the numbers in terms of under center, not under center. We're talking about the quarterback. And, and obviously from shotgun, he's not a very effective running back. I will give Jake Gruden this. He incorporated a lot more power running schemes uh, into the Washington Redskins offense to close out 2017. And in the preseason, we saw a lot more under center um, power, you know, trap type plays um, to incorporate the skill set of Adrian Peterson. As a matter of fact, I don't have, the, I wish I had this stat in front of me, but, uh, but I tracked all of, uh, of AP's uh, carries in the preseason as well. And I think something like 80% of them were from under center. So, if they're under center and AP's back there, I, I think the defense will start to figure this, that part of it out and probably start crowding the line a little bit. Um, but that being said, I, I like the fact that Jay Gruden understands the skill set of AP and is working a package uh, around his skill set. So, you know, where he was going in drafts for me was a little bit too pricey. He was going, you know, seventh, eighth round. He was a top 75 selection, which I just was like, that's, I can't do that, you know? Um, but, you know, look, he's supposed to be a quote unquote starting running back. So I guess if you're getting a starting running back in the seventh or eighth round, I guess that's okay. But, you know, you know we talked about Chris Thompson. I think he'll be fine, you know, um, from everything that, that we've read and seen uh, even though he won't be a quote-unquote 100% till November, according to Chris Thompson, he's going to be out on the field. And, you know, Jay Gruden has utilized him a lot. So, I don't know, man. I, I kind of like both guys going into the season. Um, you know, AP a little bit less so. And I do love the, the upside, especially later in the season for Chris. All right. Well, out-of-the-box question for you here. 
What's more disappointing, Darius Geis getting hurt if you had drafted him and just the potential that he had, or Ronald Jones having the most abysmal preseason in the history of rookie running backs, and he's still on your roster, and you, then you might have to actually drop the guy? Oh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's definitely, for me, I, look, Geis was somebody that if you drafted him, man, that would have been an early, early draft. Uh, so very few people, I think, did. Or maybe you took him in Dynasty, but even in Dynasty, you're still holding on to him, right? So that, that doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, certainly there was potential there. Look, I've been a person that, you know, had some serious concerns about guys. Um, you know, mostly because, to me, it didn't really seem like a great schematic fit. You know what I mean? So he ran a lot of power, a, a lot of gap scheme at LSU. That's pretty much the only thing they ran, quite honestly. I, I don't remember them ever running um, like a zone run scheme. I was there. talking about this the other day. The LSU offense is still from 1998. Like, like that's yeah. why the very first thing you can – I joked about this, and I think uh, – who was it? And this is going to sound like I'm trying to name drop, but it's true. Brandon McCarthy, the pitcher, actually was talking about the same thing and tweeted at me about it because I was saying you could basically write – the, the rookie profile for the running back coming out of LSU every single year and started off with, he's actually a better pass catcher than you think because of the LSU offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, that's, it's, such a, uh, it's such an unknown, you know, because we had heard, okay, Ronald Jones, even though he had 14 receptions his last year at USC, oh, he's going to be a much better pass catcher than, than the numbers would indicate. And that right there was where he failed uh, in the preseason, he just looked completely oh, he lost failed everywhere. Yeah, he did. He did. But I mean, a lot of folks were assuming that because of um, the speed and, and the fluidity um, that he'd be a pretty good pass catcher. And it just it just didn't come together for Rojo uh, this no. offseason. Well, so, so, look, look, you're kind of playing the middle. I'm going to give you the answer. It's Ronald Jones because you have to stare at him on your roster <laughs> and be ticked off about it. Or you yeah, have to that's true. the guy. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I think the only point that I was making was that <laughs> guys had, I think, a big uh, X-factor unknown. I think he had a really low floor and a really high ceiling. And for whatever reason, a lot of you know experts weren't uh, acknowledging the fact that he had an incredibly low floor. Um, right. But, yeah, seeing Rojo on your – and you know what, man? Here's, here's Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, for anybody out there that has a significant other, Ronald Jones is when you make the purchase and come home and the significant other comes home and be like, what did you buy? And then he's wow. like, you're either stuck losing money, like getting rid of it, or you're living with it, staring at it all the time, knowing it's a terrible purchase. <laughs> you're going to throw it into the back of your closet and just <laughs> hey, it's going to collect dust and you're never going to use it. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel like Ronald Jones is probably going to be dropped in most leagues by week five, quite honestly. I mean, there's only so long you can – keep a guy on your bench because you think he, he, they invested high draft capital. Hey, and let's be honest here, man. I mean, this is the same organization, right? I mean, it's, it's Dirk Cutter. It's all those guys in that front office. I mean, this is, this is not like the, it's not like a front office or a management scheme that has shown itself to be very good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I mean, you Dirk know, Cutter the first coach fire this year, he's going to be on a very short list, man on an incredibly short list. I, I don't even know. My concern is that they give him a little bit of a pass for having to start with Fitzpatrick. Maybe. May, I don't know. It depends on how much they get blown out by. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, That's true. That is I, true. Uh, I mean, this first week especially, too, it could get ugly. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. So, 
but yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I think Ronald Jones is somebody that obviously you're not playing. And quite honestly, I don't even know if you should have drafted him. So there you go. <laughs> Definitely not. This, you know, speaking of which, uh, so what's your survivor pick this week? Is it Baltimore just like everybody else in America? Gosh. Um, I mean, because originally, so a month ago, I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't trust Baltimore that much. You know, Josh Allen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. To surprise you and watch it. But now it is Nathan Peterman. It is in Baltimore. I know they don't have Jimmy Smith. Like, I was originally about a month ago about, like, New Orleans. I was like, yeah, it's New Orleans at home to open the season. Done. And Tampa Bay's got Fitzpatrick starting. But now it seems like the consensus of the world is on the Ravens at home. Yeah, I was actually going to say New Orleans to me. Um, I don't, I don't see any possible way they lose that game. Although, I mean, the funny thing about Peterman is I know that he just had, I, I mean, a historically bad day. Uh, you know, first start. <laughs> oh no, no, no. here, Jay, I got to tell you, this is this. So I, I'm going to lay out a scenario for you. I've created a narrative for the Bills in my head. All right, you okay. want to hear? Me? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know they they see what they drafted in Josh Allen. They know he's the future, and they also know that Josh Allen is wildly like I, I'll give you my rookie what I said about him I said he's somebody who could hit the pinhole on a door but he can't hit the actual door like that's the, the, the comparison I made I made a joke the other week that Kevin Benjamin might see accidental targets from Josh Allen like they're not even <laughs> <laughs> so all that being said is the Bills are sitting there like, look, this could be really bad with Josh Allen. And we know the fans are going to boo us because we invested this high draft pick and he's our future and we have to stick with him. What better way than to set up utter disappointment in front of him and say, this is how bad it could be. At least Josh Allen isn't this bad. That's a great call. That's such a great call. And it's so smart because honestly <laughs> – you know, the, the most popular guy on a losing team is the backup quarterback. Exactly. Well, if, you, if you've already set it up where the backup quarterback has already played, and eh, you're like, yeah, okay, I don't want to see that again. That's interesting. <laughs> that's a good call. I think that's very smart. You're right. But, but am I also giving the Bills too much credit? No. I mean, look, they got a new, they got a new uh, coaching staff and stuff up there. I don't know. I, I'll, give them, I'll, I'll give them a fair shake, you know, before we, before we bomb on them. I, look, I don't think Buffalo's defense is horrible either. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, no, it's, it's actually – the secondary is quite good. I know. I, yes, I, I mean, I think, uh, I think they're actually going to be all right. So that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't – I mean, I know a lot of people are jumping on this Ravens thing, but I don't know, man. I, I kind of I, – I still think it's New Orleans, um, and I'm going to stick to it. All right, so let's get back to running backs. Burkhead, not on the injury report. Yay! Sonny Michelle's practicing limited. Yeah, okay, well, and I say, oh, well, okay, because it's the Patriots' backfield, James. We know we do this every single year. We know Garrett Blunt had the 18 touchdowns, which was the anomalous season of all the Patriots running backs because it's the Patriots. It's Bill Belichick. It's, yes, Deion Lewis finished as an RB2, but the roller coaster ride to get to that finish was infuriating because that's what the Patriots and Bill Belichick does. Uh, so where are you on this? Because there's people out there that are like Rex Burkhead was a terrific value. That's the guy that I trust the most. There's people who are like, well, just Sony Michelle, as soon as he's healthy, he's going to be the new Dion Lewis. I'm of the camp of I've always taken, if any, I've always taken the cheapest running back of the Patriots. And this year it has been James White and PPR, who's just been wildly disrespected, in my opinion, because everybody mm. just doesn't want him. Um, but only, again, that's only PPR, obviously. Are you the Burkhead guy? Are you the Michelle guy? Are you the like myself where I'd rather just not get involved and if I have to, it's the white and PPR guy? Like, where are you? Yeah, I'm generally, 
not terribly interested in the Patriots' backfield. Um, but I will say this. Uh, I, I do disagree with the overall thought and narrative that uh, the Patriots' backfield, you can't trust because shrug emoji Patriots' backfield. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't even think shrug emoji. I think of the actual written out one, like with the characters. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right, exactly. No, no, yeah, yeah. The ASCII character shrug emoji? Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and the reason I, the reason I disagree is because I think it's pretty, I actually think it's pretty well-defined, uh, having been pretty well-defined the last couple of seasons, the thing that's made it confusing is injuries. Um, but injuries confuses a lot of backfields. So, you know, we talk about Dion Lewis, it, it just happened to be, he was hurt. Rex Burkhead, he was hurt. So, but when those guys were healthy and playing together, you knew it was going to be pretty much a 50-50 split. James White was going to get some work, but very little. Um, but what if all four are out there? Yeah, but they're not. I mean, that, I mean that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, that, well, that's what I find be. interesting. Uh, I mean, we we have be. three of them for week one. Definitively, we already have three. If Sonny Michelle's limited so far, he might be out there. I think Sony Michelle will be out there. Uh, I I don't like I said I'm not worried about um, I'm not worried about Sony Michelle. Uh, I mean so you're I think a birthday guy. Well, that's the thing. So like I I started off by saying I'm not going to take any Patriots backfield or backfield guy because mostly because um, and it's not because of workload concern. It's just because I don't think they're very good. So that that's just my thing. Is is I think first of all I think all Patriots get overvalued because they're the Patriots. Um, Julian Edelman to me at cost is a complete no-go. Um, Chris Hogan at cost is a no-go for me. Gronk is probably as, as crazy as it is. Gronk's actually the best value. Um, but yeah, just to me, all these guys are overvalued. I, I don't think Rex Burkhead was very good last year. Um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, to work with next gen stats. And by the way, I'm going to be doing next gen stats work, um, with, uh, the fantasy zone on direct TV. But, yeah, to me, it's, look, Rex Burkett, the advanced numbers in terms of next-gen stats, they don't look that great. Uh, he was an incredibly ordinary receiver – or, excuse me, an ordinary running back last year. It just happened to be that his offensive line gave him great push up front. Um, we have a stat called yards gained after close. And basically what it measures is – when a defender gets to within one yard of a running back, how much, how much yardage are they creating by themselves? Think of it as yards after contact, but it's better than yards after contact because the point of being a running back is you don't want to be contacted, right? right. Think of like Barry Sanders. You don't want to use his yards after contact uh, to basically measure his elusiveness. That wouldn't make any sense. He's juking guys out of their shoes. Um, so yeah, maybe his, you know, yards after contact, not that great, but you'd still say he's an extremely elusive running back. Um, but think of it, think of yards gained after close as kind of like an elusive mismeasure. Rex Burkhead was in the lower 50% uh, of that stat. It just happened to be his offensive line. Every single time he touched the ball gave him a crazy amount of running room. So I wouldn't, I just don't think Burkhead's that great. Uh, I think he's an effective running back. I just don't think he's a terribly great running back. And the other thing is, too, I, I don't want to. I don't. I didn't want to take Burkhead at cost because of injury concerns. Um, you know, he's had a pretty long injury list, so I don't know. I'm, I just was kind of avoiding at that price. So that's that was just my takeaway. Sony Michelle, obviously coming into the season hurt, has fumbling issues as well. 
Um, again, here's another guy that, uh, again, you look at those two things. I'm not even, I'm, I'm not even thinking about workload at this point. I'm just thinking, okay, he's coming in hurt and he's got fumbling issues. That's a problem, right? So for me, I just, I, I'm not touching the Patriots backfield because of normal, regular running back concerns, not because, uh, shrug emoji Patriots backfield. That was just my, that's my thought. So uh, that's going to be the new logo for their backfield. <laughs> exactly. The ask you shrug emoji. That's right. That's right. Let's do. Uh, let's hit two more things before we get out of here for today. Uh, first one. Uh, actually, you know what? I was going to go to him, but I'll save him because he's the only wide receiver I want to get to before we get out of here. So let's do one more running back before we get to him. Joe Mixon. Now this is another one to see where you stand on this. And I was a Joe Mixon proponent, supporter, truth, whatever you want to call. I said he was one of, if not the most talented running back in last year's draft class. Last year was not looking good for most of the season. You get to the end of the season, he's got five yards per carry in two big games. You include all four games together, but it was truthfully two out of the last four games were big games. This preseason, the offensive line looks like it's still an issue, which isn't a surprise. You know, you add Billy Price and not much else, and you still have issues. That's not surprising. But he's also looked not that good. Like, he still hasn't looked like the Joe Mixon we saw in college, whether it's the offensive line, whatever excuse you want to give. But he's got a great matchup with the Colts. And a lot of pushback I've been getting on the week one rankings already is why do you have Joe Mixon near the bottom of the top 20 and not as an RB1 when he's facing the Colts? And my argument back is it's not always just about matchup. Like, matchup helps, and yes, that gives him a higher ceiling, but that offensive line and Joe Mixon so far still does not instill a lot of confidence in me. Yeah, you know, they added Cordy Glenn at left tackle, which I think is a huge That's upgrade. Um, yeah, he, he's a huge upgrade in my mind, at least at left tackle, at least theoretically. Uh, Billy Price out of Ohio State, as you mentioned, uh, should be an upgrade, should be at least on paper, uh, an upgrade at center. So, you know, I think they tried to address the offensive line, so I'm not mad at them for trying to do that. Um, as you mentioned, you know, w- what does it look like in the preseason? Well, maybe they're still trying to gel. Uh, maybe they're still trying to find their way, but we'll see. I think overall, I think the offense is going to be healthier. Um, Joe Mixon, to me, I, don't, I just don't understand how it, on God's green earth Joe Mixon was a top 25 pick. I, I, it's almost as, and this, and I, and I swear to God, it's almost as if people are pretending like 2017 didn't happen. Um, and, and he's entering 2018 as a rookie that just, and it's like, yeah, we have, we've, we've never seen him in the NFL. So we're super excited about Joe Mixon. He's going to be the starter on this Bengals offense. And, man, he's going to be great because look at what he did in Oklahoma. And, oh, my God, he's – so it's – 2017 happened, folks. And 2017, he looked absolutely abysmal. Jake, as you mentioned, okay, last four games of the season, two of the four games he looked, I mean, lights out, he looked like a superstar. But, I mean, again, why aren't we valuing Kenyon Drake this way? Why aren't we valuing Jay Ajayi, who, oh, by the way, closed out the season in terrific, uh, in a terrific fashion? Marshawn Lynch is way down there. I mean, it's it just – I don't understand. It's like if you wanted to pay a fifth-round p- price for Joe Mixon, I'm all aboard that. As a top 25 pick, it makes absolutely zero sense – and quite frankly, Gio Ber- it's like, what happened to Gio Bernard? Is he not on this team anymore? <laughs> I, I just, I'm so confused by the, by the top 25 price tag. Well, of- I'll, g- I'll give you one, I'll give you one counter argument. And okay. it's more so, I think the team 
also looks again, this is maybe creating a false narrative, but looks invested in Joe Mixon because you saw who they drafted him, Walton. And if you look at Walton, the exact replicate, in my opinion, of Gio Bernard. So to me, that tells me, hey, you know what? We have enough confidence that we're not looking for somebody in case Joe Mixon fails again. We just want that complimentary piece, which Giovanni Bernard is. And if anything happens to him, we have a backup plan. Yeah, the problem is Gio is just a straight-up better runner and a straight-up better pass catcher um, than Joe Mixon last year. So, and I get it. We're not playing last year's game. We're playing 2018. And I understand that. I, I just am balk- I, I just was completely balking at the, at the price. Um, Joe Mixon, to me, is in the top 20 running back discussion. He is completely out of the top 10. I just – I don't, I don't even see a scenario where he's a top 10 fantasy running back. I really don't. I, I don't, I don't like, and I, I just mentioned, I was one of the staunchest supporters of him, but I had him outside the top 15 around, I think, uh, off the top of my head, I want to say 16, 17, 18 or like that. So I That sounds have, about right. That's, I mean, to me, that sounds reasonable. But, I mean, you pay top 10 running back prices for him, which is crazy. Right. I don't understand. Well, I think that's we saw that reverse of the 2015 zero peop, zero running back, which carried over into 2016 because 2015 is when it worked, and, right. and then you know you kind of get this reverse course, and people went completely the 180 direction. Which I've always been a bell cow running back. Everybody knows that I've been bell cow running back for my entire fantasy career, but yeah. at the same time. I said it time and again, I wasn't pulling Joe Mixon into the second round. Or Joe Mixon. Or, yeah, well, yeah, Joe Mixon. Jarek McKinnon was the one I meant to say. I wasn't mm. pulling him into the second round because I thought he might be a bell cow because I never saw that. Like He was a, he was a right. great third-round pick. Joe Mixon was a great third-round pick. Christian McCaffrey, second-round PPR, third-round in non-people. Like, these running backs that are outside the RB1s should be in that third round discussion. So I'm with you, but we saw the overcorrection where everybody panics and it's, oh my God, if I don't get a running back now, by the right. time I draft one in the end of the third round, I'm going to be looking at you know, like junk or I'm already going to have somebody in a timeshare. Yeah, I don't know. It, and to me, I, I, it's like, you know, I, I've gotten those, a lot of those comments. Um, and I'm sure you have too when you, you post your mock draft results. But it's so funny to me, man. Like, that's the NFL, though. So if that's the NFL and, you, and like, you don't have a top five selection and you can't get one of those, you know, stud bell cows, I mean, unfortunately, that's what you have to do. You've got to piecemeal your running back position together. So I'm not going to overpay. I'm not going to overpay right. for a guy who, probably, who might end up in a, oh, he's going to be in a 65-35 timeshare instead of a 60-40 timeshare. Like, who, who cares? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't like. Why are people? It's like it's to me. It's just so funny. You know, it's like, like Joe Mixon. Like, even if they were committed to Joe, you really think this dude is going to get thirty carries a ball game? It, no, of course not. It's impossible. It, it's not going to. It's not going to happen at all. Um, and so those days are pretty much dead. Like I don't. You know. You know. I, I look at other backfields too, and it's just like. You know, people are so worried about the Deion Lewis, Derrick Henry split. I'm like, who cares? They're running behind one of the best offensive lines in all of football. They're both going to get work. Right. This is an offense that's going to score points. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you passed up, you know. I, it, that's why I'm, I'm fine passing on guys like Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon. They're way too pro- – give me Deion Lewis in the fifth round. Give me Derrick Henry in the fourth. Like, give me those guys. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Um, it's going to be some kind of timeshare, even if it's 50-50. I don't care. That's all good. You know what I mean? So uh, that's just the NFL. I mean, literally, I mean, uh, Jake, what would you say? Literally 25 out of the 32 teams are using a backfield share. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I mean. That seems like a reasonable number off the top of my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, uh, you know what? It, as we do this on the show a lot, we make lists when it comes to that. <laughs> run down this real quick. So, right. Dirk Early, David Johns, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon, assumedly, obviously. Pittsburgh. Gordon, Fournette. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Well, whoever it might be. By the way, can I say, can I say Gordon? Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, last year it was, what, 75 25. I think it's going to be a lot closer to 60 40 this year, man. They look absolutely. Yeah, I like Eckler. I think they're they look determined to get Eckler on the field. They look determined to get him on the field. So well, that that gave us like nine. And now okay, now we get into is Dalvin Cook going to see it? Mm. No, I don't think so. That's going right. to be a sixty forty split for sure. Freeman splits. Yep. Uh, Chicago. What do you think there? Like Jordan I'm a, I'm a, Jer- I'm a Jordan Howard guy, and I actually think that this offense and the shotgun is going to help him. But I. St- is still if we're talking about that kind of split though it's still going to be that split i just it's it's a split but jordan howard's still undervalued by the perception of fantasy i agree i, I agree with that 100% and i and i was the guy last year that was banging the table about uh, jordan howard's you know draft price saying oh, you can't draft him you can't draft him at price look at john fox forget that forget that offense he can't catch the ball he still can't catch the ball but who cares he's still going to be <laughs> I mean, he's still going to rack up 1,200 total yards. You know what I mean? So give me 1,212 touchdowns. Yeah, man. Like, I'll, I'll sign up for that all day long. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think even in Chicago, it might be, you know, 65-35. Okay. All right. So last one before we get out of here. Yeah. Josh Gordon. So this has been all over the map. Now we're heading into week one. Josh Gordon is not starting. So Josh Gordon's not starting, but that might just be, you know, you're not starting. For, yeah. Yeah, and we're, now you're in for 50-55 snaps anyway. But right. then we get the news that he's also going to be on a pitch count, whatever the hell that means. But as we've seen before between uh, – it doesn't matter what position it is, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, whatever it might be, pitch counts go out the window. If you look amazing, they're not going to be like, you know what, we said you're only playing 40 snaps – you have 100 yards, I'm sorry, we're, we're going to bench it now. It, it, you're, you're just, you, you need some rest. So where are you on Josh Gordon? Is this, uh, like, I ranked him as a wide receiver three with the, this is the biggest boomer bust play of the week at the wide receiver position. You have to understand that, yes, he has the potential to finish in the top 10. He yeah. also has the potential to get 25 snaps and finish 55th. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, you know what's so funny? I've completely taken that out of that side of it out of my mind. You know, they say they say pitch count. They say he's not starting. I don't believe any of it. Um, bottom line is for me, even if he plays, I don't know, let's say like you know, forty or forty-five offensive possessions, that's going to be plenty. I, I think it's plenty enough for me. Um, you know, it's going to be a potential shootout there. Like I said, I think Pittsburgh Cleveland, I think has potential to be one of the highest scoring games of the weekend. Um, and, and they're going to air it out. And, and I really love the skill fit with Josh Gordon and, and Tyrod or Tyrod Taylor, however you want to go with it. But Tyrod Taylor is, uh, is a guy that likes to take deep ball shots. He is a guy that loves to air it out. Josh Gordon is one of the most explosive, one of the most efficient, one of the best downfield threats that we have in the NFL today. Um, so that, man, I mean, you look at those skill sets, and to me, 
I mean, it, it's fried chicken and hot sauce. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it just goes. It just goes, man. So even if he plays 40 snaps, I'm down. Give me Josh Gordon all day long. And, you know, I get this question on Twitter a lot. Should I play Josh Gordon? Every single time I'm going to say yes. Should I play Josh Gordon or yes, Josh Gordon? <laughs> yes, 100%. Josh Gordon um, or, or Odell Beckham? Yeah, I was just about to throw that out there to you. I was just about to. We're on the same wavelength. Did we just bro. become best friends? Oh, my God. We're on the same wavelength, bro. Hey, do you want to play Odell? I, I was just about to ask you, Odell or Josh Gordon? Odell or Josh Gordon? I don't know. Who's got the higher upside? I don't know. But uh. I tell you what, man. I mean, look, you're playing both those guys, obviously. But, man, um, but, yeah, I mean, we talk about the upside-downside potential. I think they're in that same class. I think they're in that same class. So, by the way, real quick before we get out, I did want to throw one strategy thing out there, which I know you'll agree with, but maybe you have another, hey, this is my strategy tip for the season that people always overlook. Yeah. Is mine is, and I'm sure you saw it, is the spot of flexibility is stop being ignorant. And I say ignorant because ignorant means you don't know better. Stupid means you know better and you still did it anyway. So, ignorant means you just might not know. Don't waste your flex spot going into games like Sunday afternoon if something thing, something changes you have your flex spot open because you can start a running back wide receiver a tight end if you start somebody there and your only open spot is that wide receiver then your only move is wide receiver same thing if you have an injury question on Sunday night or my, always leave your flex spot open for as long as possible yeah it's a good point um, although I would I would recommend everyone look at their settings too right because some, pe- some people are playing in leagues where the lineup locks on Thursday. You know what I'm saying? That's just so uh, insane to me. It is so insane. It's so unfair. Are uh, we playing on like Sandbox from 1997? But, dude, I'm telling you, man, some people still play in these leagues. It's so horrible. Um, there's an, they're, they're, I think the vast majority of leagues actually lock up Sunday morning. Um, I don't want to say vast majority, but there are a ton of leagues uh, that lock up Sunday morning. Now, there are definitely a lot of leagues that lock up at game time uh, whenever the game is. So even if it's a Monday night game, you can swap out your Monday night player on Monday. But uh, just go and check your settings, man. You never know what your commission did, you know, because sometimes commission uh, will look at some stuff and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I like this. and just click it. And they won't even tell you because they, they, they don't know any better. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, so go check your settings. Go Definitely go check. Um, uh, when your lineup locks, but yeah, Jay, you're 100 percent right, man. You you got to move, uh, you know, running back or wide receiver, whatever question mark you got, man. Move them into the flex for God's sakes. Do it. Any other uh, tip before you get out of here? I man, I don't know. I mean, for me, you know, it's like I'm holding on to like I I didn't draft any kickers. Um, I you know I know in our I know in our uh, athletic league no, we, we there don't is no have. such thing. We've been banned from the show. <laughs> we don't even that's like a curse word. You just leap. Uh, but but in most leagues they have kickers, and I didn't draft any kickers in any of my leagues. Um, and I'm just gonna wait till game time, and I'm gonna figure out. <laughs> Can uh, I tell you what? This so seriously yeah. about this? Like now. There was one league where I accepted an invite to not knowing it had kickers. And I was doing it because it's somebody in the industry. I don't want to call them out. It's somebody in the industry. And it was like a magazine that also you play through and it's for the season and all that type of stuff. So I didn't know. And there was a kicker. And I, didn't, I did what you said. It's a great tip. I didn't draft the kicker. I was actually going to go into the season and be like, you know what? I'm going to just anarchy. I'm not starting a kicker all year long. I'm going to win without a kicker. 
Nice. And I can't, you can't submit the lineup without a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh man. Can I just say too, uh, there are those, there are those leagues where you take a forfeit loss if you don't submit a, a quote unquote legal roster to your point. It's like, right. Oh no, no, no. You have to play a kicker. And it's like, it's like, well, how about if I'm on bye week hell and I don't yeah. want to pick up a kicker. I don't want to drop, you know, whatever, some guy that I really want on my roster uh, and pick up. So I don't want to drop my handcuff and pick up a kicker. I'm just going to go no kicker this week. And if I lose, I lose. I don't care. Well, you're going to forfeit this week. And it's like, wow, that's horrible. Why? why? It's like I, I just played. I played in a um, I played in a work league last year. Uh, people can connect the dots where the commissioner uh, <laughs> had this rule. And I could not think of a more draconian way to play fantasy. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, crazy. it's horrible. Why would you do it this way? Well, Just let people play the way they want to play, for God's sakes. I, I actually had a league where, you know, people ask about buys and do you pay attention to them during the draft? And I had a league where I wasn't, and all of a sudden I got to the seventh round and I had four people on week nine or week 10 or something like that. Yeah. And I started using it as a tiebreaker. I said, you know what? I'll be 90% for the rest of the year and I'll just forfeit that one week because yeah. it's just playing 75% through the buys. And I actually only lost twice in that league that year, but it was to that rule where like, I didn't have that. Like, I, I basically set a lineup with three empty spots, uh, and you know, people can complain and say, "Well, I didn't have a full roster going against my opponent, and he got the benefit of that." Yeah, but also at the same time, it benefited me, and you know, that's how you play the game. Yeah, ex that's exactly right. Uh, and I just, I'm just like, let us play. I mean, within the confines of the rules, obviously, you know. But like, just <laughs> well, like, what? I don't understand these like crazy restrictive fantasy leagues where it's like, like, you know, it's like we're talking about, oh, games lock on Thursday. It's like, oh, that's horrible. Why are you doing this to yourself? You know, it's like, oh, hey, you must submit a, a quote unquote legal. Get out of here with all that stuff. You know, like, stop it. Like, I don't understand. I don't know. I just. 100%. Understand. Yeah. 100. Anyways. By the way, tell everybody again in case they, you know, just tuned out at the beginning and just caught up in the Le'Veon Bell nonsense where they right, exactly. find you, your awesome stuff that you have going on on Sunday this year and all the good stuff. Yeah, so um, so obviously, um, as we talked about off the top, I'm uh, going to be writing for pork chop sandwiches this upcoming season. Surprise, surprise! Uh, hey, uh, going to be um, uh, going to be focusing on next gen stats for the athletic. By the way, I'm going to be focusing on next gen stats for uh, Direct TV as well. Please watch Fantasy Zone. Uh, if you get Red Zone, you're going to get us. Um, and, and like I said. Uh, instead of just Andrew Siciliano on DirecTV, Channel 704, uh, please catch us every Sunday, um, you're going to be getting an entire cast. It's a, it's a cast of six, guy, uh, six people. Sorry, I don't want to say guys because um, uh, Kay Adams is the lead host here. Uh, but, yeah, there's going to be six uh, people uh, covering fantasy from all different angles. We have a, a, a medical doctor, former um, Redskins offensive lineman turned doctor, uh, Super Bowl winner, uh, Mark Addict is, is is our medical expert. We've got Brian Westbrook, who's going to be our pro player, you know, breaking down the running back position. Um, and I'm going to be focused on next-gen stats uh, for this show as well. And again, man, and Kay, if you guys know Kay, Kay absolutely knows her stuff. And oh, yeah, by the way, the guru, uh, John Hansen, 
is going to be the lead analyst for this show as well. So, man, um, it's just it's a it's a great great lineup, and I feel bad because I just forgot to mention Dan Helly, who's going to be the um, uh, the LA host. But Helly's very in there. Yeah, there you go. Helly's locked in on the NFL as well. So he'll be a pretty good information guy. He's going to give you some great context and stuff. So I'm telling you, man, it, it's an all-star team. Um, and if you want to, if you want to get smarter about football and you want an edge uh, in fantasy football, I would absolutely recommend the fantasy zone on direct TV on Sunday. So I'm really, obviously, as you can tell, I'm extremely excited to join that team. Um, and, and it's funny, man, we just got through with the production meeting today and I, and I was saying, I'm actually legit excited to watch this show as a fan. Forget about like me working on, I'm like legit excited to see the show. Uh, like the, the parts that I'm not even on, I'm like, man, I can't wait to watch this show. Uh, so yeah, man, um, please watch the show. It's going to be great. Follow me on Twitter at James Deco, um, Instagram, Facebook as well. And, uh, and man, I, I try to get pretty interactive with the fans, so find me there. We'll be back Tuesday. Well, I'll be back Tuesday. James will be you know, off doing his, you know, enjoying his wondrous Sunday and then the rest of the things going on and working for us at some point. We'll see. But all that being said, yep, come back Tuesday. We're going to talk more fantasy football. Obviously, the week one repercussions is going to be interesting. It always is. It'll be a lot of fun. Maybe there'll be a Kevin Ogletree you can pick up for two weeks. So until then, (laughs) have a good one. Thanks to James. I'll talk to you later.